Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Father, thank You again for Your Word. Thank You for time together as a family. Lord, we, uh, my heart is just full from baptism this morning, getting to celebrate and share in what You're doing. And we give You all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So a few years ago, um, as a younger generation, a generation that has become known as millennials, uh, I I think that's the generation after me. I'm sort of in between. I don't know where I am. But I kind of don't relate to millennials in some ways and others I do. But the, uh, the millennial generation was first beginning to enter the workforce. And um, a bunch of CEOs and bosses and uh, managers over large corporations were brought in for a survey from a, a consultant, a business consultant. And the survey was, uh, we want to know how you would rate millennials as they come into uh, the workforce. Well, this consultant, having gathered that information, put together a large group of millennials. And he had, a, he had before him a huge uh, crowd of, of millennials. He was talking to them about entering the workforce, giving them sort of a pep talk about business and how to be uh, a, a good business person in, um, in the workforce. And he said to them, he's telling them the story. He said, now, I've, I gathered all these CEOs and business people and I've interviewed them and I've asked them, what's the... What's the main characteristic? What is the, the key thing you would say about millennials? Give me one word that would represent millennials. All right, so this consultant's talking to a large crowd of young, I mean, young adults now, and he said they, they all, like, huge percentage came down to one word, and it begins with the letter E. What do you think it is? And so from the crowd, all these young millennial business people are shouting out things like excited, um, empowered. And he's like, no, enthusiastic, no, equipped, no. And then there's a long silence after this season of this positive one word shouts. There's a long silence and this consultant speaks into the silence and he says the word is entitled. That has a whole different ring to it, doesn't it? (laughs) Entitled. This consultant said across the board, when he talks to business leaders and CEOs and business owners around the country, and he's talking to young people entering the workforce, the, the resounding description, one word description of these young people coming in, is this word entitled. The only reason I bring that up is obviously not to uh, degrade anybody in that category, generation in here, but just to say that entitlement is actually on the opposite end of the spectrum of what 
the Apostle Paul is challenging us with in this text. And that is gratitude. Gratitude and entitlement are totally at the other end, at opposite ends of the spectrum. I don't know if you saw it here, but there are three times in this, in this text in three verses. Look at verses 15, 16, and 17. Three times the Apostle Paul says, be thankful. So look at verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. And then you can underline this in your Bible. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness. It's twice. In your hearts to God. Verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Here it is. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. So three times in three verses, the Apostle Paul exhorts us to be thankful. So I just wanted to spend a few minutes this morning talking about a heart of gratitude. Actually, the power of gospel gratitude. And I love what Tucker said this morning as we began baptism. He said, this isn't a, um, this isn't a, a cheerleader. We're not saying, yay, way to go, whoever it is that's being baptized. We, we are actually giving thanks to God for what God has done. This is an expression of Of what God has done. And that's what we're encouraged to do here in this text. Is to be thankful in our hearts to God. Giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So I want to talk about gratitude versus entitlement. Um, Entitlement says, I deserve it. Right? I deserve this. Gratitude says, you're so kind to give that to me. Thank you. You're so so kind to have blessed me like that. That's the way gratitude speaks. Entitlement says, I don't need you. I got this. Gratitude says, I couldn't do this without you. It's just so great to do this together because I need you. I don't need you. I need you. Entitlement, gratitude. Entitlement says, that's mine. It's mine. I hear that one all the time in my house. Uh, I got three, three little ones, right? I hear uh, it sound, they sound like the little seagulls in that movie. Mine, 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 mine. I hear it all the time. That's mine, right? That entitlement attitude is there. That's mine. Gratitude says, God's given this to me, so I'll, I'll give it to you. Um, you know the story of the prodigal son, Luke 15? The story of the prodigal son. You got two sons, and uh, they, they paint a different picture for us of entitlement. Both of them, very entitled. The younger son comes to his father and he says, I, I want my inheritance. And this is the thing this is what he says. He says, I want it now. Right? That's an entitled attitude. I want it now. He's ungrateful. I don't want to wait. Get this, Dad. I don't want to wait till you die. I want what's mine. I want it now. He's very entitled. And what it took the dad years, decades maybe, to, to accumulate that son went and squandered it in just days, weeks, months. I wonder if we have lots of debt in the room 
I wonder if we have an I want it now kind of attitude. That's how I feel. My, uh, my generation, my generation as we're coming up, um, how, you know, feel free to speak to this. If you're in maybe the baby boomer generation, my, you know, 50s, 60s, if, if you're in that 70s bracket, feel free just to kind of amen if this is the truth, all right? My generation coming up seems to want to start out at where you're leaving off. Any truth to that? It seems like my generation wants to start out having all that you have after 30, 40 years of work and accumulation and effort. You have reached and established this point. But my generation is like, you know what? Just starting, we want to jump right into where you're leaving off. Entitled, right? I wonder if we have lots of debt. If we do, we probably have an entitled mindset. Listen to Proverbs 15. 15 and 16, it says the cheerful heart has a continual feast. Better a little, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. A cheerful heart has a continual feast. I wonder if, if we're dissatisfied with our stuff. You know, I want it now. That's, the, that's what we're talking about. I want it now. I don't, this, this iPhone 10 is not enough now that there's an 11. <laughs> Right? There's an 11 coming out. I've got to get rid of this one. I've got to go get me an 11. Because my stuff's not good enough anymore. I'm dissatisfied. This, this truck is, you know, I mean, it's, it's three years old. It's time for a new one, right? So trade this joker in. Let's get us a new one. I want it now. I'm, in, I'm entitled. I just turned 16. I, I don't just deserve a car. I deserve a new car. When I... When I turned 16, I got a 1991 Ford Escort GT. <laughs> and I was the third son, the third one to get that car. <laughs> right? And my dad handed me the keys and the insurance bill the same day. I got to pay. He said, hey, welcome. Welcome to re- responsibility. Here's your bill. Do it at the end of the month. <laughs> Different, right? Today, today... Oh, baby, you're 16. Here's your, here's your Porsche or whatever, right? It's different. I just want to push on us a little bit. Do you find yourself... Now, here's the deal. Do you find yourself complaining a lot? Now, think about it. Let, let me ask it this way. You may not find yourself complaining a lot, but does your family find you complaining a lot? Does your spouse? Kids? Do your parents? In my house, a couple of years ago, my wife, she's brilliant. She does these things, and I just go along with it. But she, uh, she put a little glass jar, and she wrote gratitude on it. And inside were these popsicle sticks. And um, every time my kids would verbalize a complaint, she'd hand them a popsicle stick. She'd say, write something you're thankful for. You can't say another word until you write something you're thankful for. Gratitude over complaints. That was pretty good practice. We'd hand them a little stick. I mean, they'd start complaining. This is not... I don't like this cereal. Here's your stick. (laughs) What are you thankful for? Gratitude over complaints. So, two, two, two things that I hear. The younger son says, I want it now. The older son, if you remember, when, when the younger son came back and repented of his ways, he came back to the father. And the father's throwing a big feast. And the, the older brother, 
in Luke 15, 29, he actually says, I've been here this whole time. I've been serving you this whole time. You haven't thrown me a party. What's at the bottom of that? I deserve it more. Right? Entitled. Both of these sons are entitled. They, they show it to us in different ways. Um, one says, I want it now. And the other one says, I deserve it more. I wonder if that resonates with you. So let me ask you, how do you, how do you turn from, how do you turn and turn away from um, complaints and entitlement and constantly dissatisfied with your stuff, constantly working, wonking, wanting more? How do you turn away from that? There's a song um, that has this lyric in it. I love it. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. You know that song? Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. Praise, praise, praise. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. Think about it. Listen, listen, here, I want you to, um, I've got some blanks on your teaching guide if you have one of these. Um, If you want one, you don't have one. Uh, The guys are in the back of the room. Just lift your hand up and they'll give you one. All right, if you want one of these, the guys will get one of these for you if you want one. Okay, the blank on on the top of the page there says this. Blessings either fuel our praise or feed our pride. I want you to listen. Blessings either fuel your praise, every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. Or every blessing you pour out, I'm going to say, I did that. Look at what I did. Look at what I have. Look at all that I have earned for myself. Did this all by myself and it's all for me. Blessings either fuel your praise or feed your pride. And I want to call us and the scriptures call us to be a people who are thankful to God. It's a very simple message today. Very simple, right? Be thankful to God. James 1.17 says that every good and every perfect gift is from above. Let me ask you, here's, here's the question. Where is every good thing from? From above. That was the answer. Try it again. Where is every good thing from? From above. And specifically, James 1.17 says, From the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow. From the Father of lights. So, to whom do we give gratitude and thanks? To God. God, something good is in my life. This is good. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I mean, even in the simple things, I want to encourage you to, Send your praise to God. Let me give you three things this morning that gospel gratitude does um, in us. It makes us people of grace. People of grace. So the first, first thing we're talking about is that every good and every perfect thing is from above. It's from God. From grace. I don't know if in here if we're familiar with the five solas of the Reformation, but I just want to walk through these really quickly. The five solas, right? Okay, so these are statements that say we are who we are for these reasons. Scripture alone. The Scripture is the truth. It's our standard for truth. It's how we know God and we believe God 
through the Scriptures alone. These next three, I really want you to memorize and learn these next three. Here they are. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, in Christ alone. And the fifth one, I love this, for God's glory alone. That's the five solas of the Reformation. Martin Luther, about 500 years ago, uh, helped to make us who we are as Protestant people. We're people who believe the truths of the Scripture. We're, we're a people who believe that by God's grace alone we are who we are. Not by His grace plus our works, but by His grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, and for God's glory alone. Gratitude is the evidence of a people of grace. People who really are gripped by and have an understanding of grace, that it's God's grace alone that's made me who I am. It's not, it's not just my hard work and my effort and my this and my that. If I start looking inward, I'm forgetting grace. It's not that work and your effort doesn't play a part. It does play a part. I want Paul to teach us how these things work together, okay? Grab your Bibles. I put the Scripture in your notes. It's 1 Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15 and verses 9 and 10. I want you to listen to what Paul says. We're gonna, you can hold your place here. Remember, we're, we're taking from Colossians 3 this, this exhortation to be thankful to God, to have gratitude in our hearts to God, right? And we're, we're seeing how that fleshes out now in 1 Corinthians 15. Listen to what Paul says in verses 9 and 10. He says, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. How many times in that one verse did Paul say grace? You can answer that. How many times? (laughs) Three times Paul gives credit to the grace of God. Now it doesn't mean he doesn't work. In fact, he says, I worked harder than everybody. I was busting my tail. I was working hard, but it wasn't me. It was the grace of God. It's a beautiful marriage to our effort and God's grace. I want us to know, church, that grace isn't opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Grace says, you didn't earn that. And you worked for it, for sure. You've worked your tail off, but you didn't earn it. I gave it. God says, I gave it. Now, it came to you through your work, but I gave it to you. It's a gift from God. We are people of grace. May it be said of us that we would have this mantra. Every good and every perfect thing in my life is from above, from the Father. I hope when you look at the good in your life, you don't look around and go, look what I did. That's a dangerous place to be. The Apostle Paul says, be thankful to God. So people of grace. Secondly, a posture of humility. Look at the same passage. We're just in 1 Corinthians 15. And I want you to look at what Paul says. He says, I am the least. I am unworthy to be called an apostle. 
And then he goes on and he says, it is not I, but grace. That's very humble. It's a humble posture to be able to to be able to say, I've been working so hard, but it's not me. A posture of humility. You know, humility is not just thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's thinking more of God, more of the grace that God is giving this may sound crazy, and, and I want us to make sure we know that Paul is not um, giving some kind of false humility here. It's not one of those things where he's like, hey, I've worked harder than everybody. Um, no, no, don't, don't, don't. Stop, stop, don't, don't stop, don't, don't stop. <laughs> That's not what Paul is doing. This is not false humility here. It's actually theological accuracy. You see, what he's saying is all my successes... All my blessings, all the good that that is coming to me and from me is actually because of Christ. All of it is because of Christ. Remember, grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and for His glory alone. In Galatians 2, verse 20, Paul would say it this way, For I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Paul says, this isn't me. It's not me. It's Christ in me. It's a posture of humility. Gratitude shows itself in a posture of humility. Thirdly, a pattern of generosity. Pattern of generosity. If you are truly thankful you will be open handed listen to me church if we are truly thankful people we will be open handed with all that God has entrusted to us doesn't mean we're foolish but it means we don't hold so tightly to the stuff that God has entrusted to you because you know it's from him Right? And it's not all meant for you. It's meant to kind of go through you to others. This makes me think of the story of Zacchaeus. Actually, before we talk about Zacchaeus, how many of you have seen the movie um, Les Miserables? Anybody seen the movie or read the story, Les Miserables? Come on, y'all. That's a great movie, all right? If you've seen, if you haven't seen it, um, is it Hugh Jackman that plays that? I was impressed that Wolverine can sing as well as he does. All right, so Hugh Jackman plays this role in Les Mis. And you need to see this movie if you haven't seen it. It's long, so good. Let me give you a quick summary. The main character is Jean Valjean. And he's a thief. He's just gotten released after 19 years of really hard time, like busting rocks as a prisoner. He's just been released. He's out on the streets. He's determined to do better, but he's starving to death. He's got nowhere to go. Nobody will take him in because he's been a, a, a convict. And so three, four days into his life on the streets, he's looking at that bread in the window. And he's just like, I'm starving. I've got to eat. I've got to eat. And so he's going to go back to stealing. About that time, he gets taken in by a family. They, they take him in. They say, hey, you know, just come stay with us. They, they feed him a great meal. They put him in a nice bed in a big, beautiful home. And he lays down that night and he's like, this is amazing. 
Well, then the old Jean Valjean starts sort of coming into who he is now. And, he, and he's laying in that bed and he's like, what if this doesn't last? I, 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 need to, I need to take care of me. And so he gets up in the middle of the night and he steals the silverware, like precious silver, like silverware, right? Not like we have, but silverware. He goes and steals all the, all the fine silverware off their big, big table and he sticks it in his cloak and he runs out in the middle of the night thinking, I've got my security. Now I've got, I've got enough that I can start a life. And he runs out in the middle of the night, unbeknownst to the owners of the house. Well, then there's a knock at the door. Boom, 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 boom. And it's the police. They've caught Jean Valjean. They bring him to the door, and the owner of the house is like, oh, what? You know, waking up in the middle of the night. He's like, what's going on? And they're like, we caught him red-handed. He's got your silverware. And in one of the most amazing displays of grace you'll ever see, the owner of the house says, Oh, Jean Valjean, did you not take the candlesticks too? We wanted to give you the candlesticks as well. Let me get those for you. And he goes and gets the candlesticks and he brings them to Jean Valjean. And everyone is shocked by this display of grace. Everybody's surprised. The police are like, wait, wait, wait. He didn't steal this day. Surely he... He stole. This is, this is nice stuff. He stole it, right? No, no, we gave it. We gave it willingly. It's, it's his to have. Well, the police eventually leave, and Jean Valjean is just standing there, dumbfounded by grace. And he's like, what's going on? And he's so shocked by the grace that's been extended to him in that moment. And the owner of the house says, hey, I want you to take that. And I want you to live a life honesty and the rest of his days he spends giving instead of taking it's a beautiful story of grace beautiful story it reminds me of Zacchaeus in Luke 19 we have the story of a tax collector Zacchaeus you know the story but Zacchaeus climbs up in a tree to see Jesus coming and Jesus sees Zacchaeus and he says, hey, I'm coming to your house for dinner. And everybody's upset by it. Everybody around is like, he's going to go to Zacchaeus' house for dinner. This is terrible. Doesn't he know who Zacchaeus is? Zacchaeus doesn't deserve that. The sense of entitlement. We deserve that more. But Zacchaeus, overwhelmed by the grace of Jesus, is like, Oh, yeah, you can come to my house for dinner. That'd be, that'd be awesome. Yeah, come. Let's come, come to my house and they have dinner. We don't know all the conversation, but we know the results of it. Zacchaeus is overwhelmed by the grace of God in his life. And he goes from being a taker, a tax-collecting, stealing thief, to a joyful giver, an open-handed, generous person. Gratitude shows itself in a pattern of generosity. A pattern of generosity. And Zacchaeus is a prime example of that. He goes from being a taker, a thief, to a giver. I want to show you in the scriptures where Paul writes about this in Ephesians 4. I think this will be on the screen. Ephesians 4 verse 28. Listen to what he says. Let the thief... No longer steal. But rather, let him labor, 
doing honest work with his own hands. Listen, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Listen to what the scripture says. Let the thief no longer be a taker, but a giver. Let him work a hard day's work and learn what it is to to have, to be given, and then to to give. Let Let him work hard and receive so that he can bless. A pattern of generosity. That's what we're talking about. This is what gratitude develops in us is this kind of generosity. It should be a pattern for people of grace. So as people in here who have been wrecked by the grace of God, this should be a pattern for us. I love the fact that we have seen this grace and humility and generosity on display today in baptism. What we've seen is a group of people who are saying to all of us, it's no longer me who's living. I have died. I have been resurrected now with Christ. That old person is gone. There's a new person who wants to walk in grace and humility and generosity. God calls us to be thankful. Colossians chapter 3 verses 15 through 17. He says it three times. He repeats this call because he knows we repeatedly struggle with it. He knows your default is to go right back to being entitled, to go right back to feeling like you deserve something. That's my default. And my default and our default is to go right back to being closed-handed. Well, I I can't give right now because I've got these things going on. That will always be the case. Um. My wife and I have been married. We just celebrated 10 years. And 10 years ago, almost, well, 10 and a half years ago now, um, we made a, a commitment to one another that um, we would honor the Lord first with everything He gave us. It didn't matter, uh, even in our, in our days where as a household we were making like $21,000. didn't matter if it was $21,000 a year. We were going to give um, at least 10%. To the Lord's work through His church. We committed to that 10 years ago. And I was asking my wife last night. Have we ever not been faithful to that? And she was like. I don't think so. I think we've, we've been disciplined to do that. And that's not to my credit. I just want to tell you that people of grace. Establish a pattern of generosity. People who are thankful to God are glad to give to God's work. Does that make sense? People who are thankful to God are glad to give. Gratitude breeds generosity. Freely we've received, so freely we give. The Scriptures call for us to be cheerful givers. Um, Jesus ups the game. You know, a lot of people would say, well, the law is 10%. We don't, we don't say that. Um, that's an Old Testament thing. Um, in the New Covenant, I don't think the law is 10%. But I, I do want you to know, when you, when you bring the law into the New Testament, Jesus doesn't, doesn't make it easier. Remember what He says about adultery? You've heard it said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I tell you, any man who's lusted in his heart... Has committed adultery. You've heard it said, Thou shalt not kill. 
But I'm telling you, anybody who hates in his heart has murdered. So when it comes to giving, Jesus does the same thing. He doesn't doesn't just take a 10% law and give us a number in the New Testament because he knew that would just be a checkbox for us. Oh, 10%, we'll just budget that. We'll make sure 10%, check, done. No, he says, I want you to be a cheerful giver. It's about the heart. It's always about the heart with Jesus. He's getting to the heart of the matter. It's not just the quantity. In fact, you go through Luke's gospel and you got an account where a guy is is compelled to give 10% and Jesus is like, that's awesome. Then you've got Zacchaeus who says, I'm going to give away half of what I have, 50%. Jesus is like, salvation has come to this house. And then you got the rich young ruler just a few chapters later who he says, what more do I lack? What do I lack? And Jesus says, get rid of everything. I want you to sell it all. And give it to the poor, 100%. So which is it, Jesus? Is it 10? Is it 50? Is it 100? And he says, no, it's the heart. It's your heart that matters. He's not worried about the numbers. It's your heart. And he says, I want you to be a cheerful giver. Gratitude is generous. A heart of gratitude gives generously. So church, as we look back, as we look back over 10 years, right? In just a couple of weeks, we celebrate 10 years of ministry. We look back over 10 years, we should be saying, thank you, God, right? Amen, church. There's not a person in this room that can say, hey, we're here and this has been done because of me. If there's an ounce of that, let's repent. Because it's all God. And it's been God and it will continue to be God. And we give God all the glory. We want to be a a thankful people, people of grace, people who are humble, acknowledging it's not us, it's him. We want to be a people who are generous, saying, God, keep it coming. Keep it coming. You've given, we give back, Lord, keep it coming. God has so blessed us this morning. If you're a follower of Jesus then Jesus has rescued you and you got a lot to be thankful for. Be gripped by grace. You don't deserve salvation. You could never earn it. So be gripped by His grace. Turn your blessings into praise, not pride. God, you blessed me. I praise you. And then give generously. I want to challenge you if Maybe you're a new Christian. Maybe you're just baptized, right? We've got five that are just baptized. And you say, I, we, I don't have hardly any money. Trust God with what you have. I want to challenge you. Everybody in the room who's a follower of Jesus, commit to give generously to the Lord. If you're not a follower of Jesus, then I want to, I want to tell you this. Jesus humbled Himself. He left his throne and came to a cross. If you look at Zacchaeus' story, Zacchaeus climbed up on a tree and Jesus said, you come down so that I can climb up on a tree of shame for you. Jesus flips the script on Zacchaeus' disgrace and takes it on himself. He got up on a cross to die in your place and in my place. They put him in the grave and three days later he rose from the dead. And you can, you can be rescued from your sin. 
Instead of continuing to look at yourself as your hope. Well, I just need to do better. I just need to work harder. I just need to try more. No, let's turn to the giver. And give all of our praise and gratitude to Him. It's not really about you. It's all about Him. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone. This morning, let's be a people of gratitude. Let's hang up our complaining. Hang up the grumbling. Let's be a people who are thankful to our God.